Welcome back to Podcast 73 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. Please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our plays, please visit theazbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member and pick any of our winning handicappers to get to the premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on Patreon, and if nothing else, please visit theazbreakers.com or Telegram to become a free picks subscriber. I hope you all had a fantastic Halloween. I'm actually recording this on Halloween Day. Uh, Dave is not going to be able to join us being that he was at the Packers Buffalo game traveling, uh, for the night. So he's getting back sometime today to discuss some fantasy football, but I have you taken care of for that and everything else that we do cover for this podcast early in the week, but not super crazy of a Halloween weekend really, because there really wasn't a lot of upsets. I mean, there were some bad beats and good treats, but certainly not a ton of upsets in college football or really the NFL. I think that uh, it was just kind of finally one of those weekends where not all hell breaks loose, and maybe some people needed that uh, in sports as a fan, as a survivor player, just getting a little break from all the monotony that's been happening in NFL and college football. But I want to recap everything, obviously, uh, starting with the Thursday game, Utah versus Washington State. This was a really strange game because Cameron Rising wasn't on any injured list, and all of a sudden at the very last minute, right before the game started, he was announced out. (laughs) I bet you that pissed off a lot of Utah betters. As a matter of fact, they almost lost the game, 21-17. Had had I got there in time, I would have took a piece of Washington State myself. But Bryson Barnes for Utah didn't even play that bad. 17 for 27, 175 yards, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, that's what you're looking for. He had eight attempts rushing, 51 yards. I mean, he he was adequate. He did enough to beat Washington State, but it was actually Utah's defense that stood up big and was able to uh, get the W here. So big props to Bryson Barnes to keep the train rolling for Utah, but uh, Washington State is now just uh, bleeding lots of losses here in a row. I believe it was like four losses in a row, and they haven't won three losses in a row. They haven't won since they were against Cal uh, back in the early part of of October. Next week at Stanford's probably a good opportunity for them to get back on the horse. Uh, Virginia Tech versus NC State. I, I don't even really want to talk about that game. That game was absolutely disgusting. Uh, that happened on Friday. Uh, I do want to mention a different Friday game, uh, the BYU versus East Carolina. And I had a personal play on East Carolina. I should have gave it out. A lot of 
money was on BYU in the last minute. There's some sharp money in East Carolina that pushed it down to about three or close to three, and then some BYU came back. I think it was mostly probably smaller bets. I, I guess you'd call that public money, but BYU is not nearly as good as what people expected in the beginning of the year. They are four wins and five losses right now, three and two at home, you know, um, when I was handicapping this game, I thought I was going to come in and be betting BYU, and instead I made a personal play on uh, East Carolina, and this thing went to overtime. Um, it's hard to win a night game in BYU, and East Carolina was able to do it and get the job done. Uh, I think that says more about BYU than really East Carolina. BYU is just not a competitive team this year, and they are very overrated. They Their defense is terrible. Most of their rushing yards, or a good portion of the rushing yards, was all the quarterback, Jaron Hall. A lot of their first downs was just him breaking out rushing. They seemed pretty lost, and they couldn't hit really many receivers, and they're just an overrated team. And I made some adjustments on them this week, and uh, I want to make sure that it doesn't pop up again. I, I guess my spread, even in my power ratings, wasn't quite enough to get to the table with East Carolina, which bugs me because East Carolina was the correct side in this game, and it was a play I wish that I would have given out. Moving on to Saturday, Florida-Georgia was a somewhat exciting game. I mean, Florida did outscore Georgia in the third quarter, 17-7, to but, you know, I mean, they got within, what, uh, 15 points by then? Georgia just dominated the first half, and I was getting a little concerned for my uh, – Georgia team total over and the over in this game. I did uh, give out over 56 as well as Georgia's team total over, but it it ended up coming to fruition in the fourth quarter early, but the whole rest of the quarter, there was no other score. So I'm fortunate to have that Georgia touchdown to push both of uh, those plays over. But yeah, I mean, Florida's Florida. They have a new coach. There's a lot of upset Florida fans. I don't know if you'd be that upset at this team. Florida had so much transition. Uh, Richardson doesn't have a ton to work with. I I know he's got some good running backs, but he doesn't have a ton of receivers that are all that good. Their defense is terrible. I I just pumped the brakes on Florida. I think next year is when you start really judging Napier and uh, uh, seeing how good he is of a top Power 5 program as a head coach. Next game, Ohio State-Penn State was a fantastic game, and I was furious for a minute when I my team total didn't go over on that extra point. Ohio State was going by two, or going for two, uh, going to be, they had 36 points, and then the official called the penalty on the wrong team. Penn State jumped off sides, practically hit, the one of the linemen for Ohio State, and they called Ohio State for a false start. It blew my mind. How is that not reviewable? You know, how is that not reviewable? But basically, what it did is make Ohio State instead of going up fourteen, uh, they went up thirteen and kicked the extra point because it pushed them five yards back, and that would have put me over thirty-seven and a half. Thank goodness for Sean Clifford and the way he loves to throw interceptions, the very next play that they got, Clifford threw a pick six to Ohio State, and and uh, the rest was history. I was able to hit that. But I, after that, felt bad for Penn State betters because Penn State just lost a front door cover. 
um, from Ohio State, but thank goodness they got a, a garbage time touchdown at the end to cover it at least for their betters. But uh, this game was a lot closer uh, watching it, and the box score, if you look at the box score, it was a heck of a lot closer if you just take out all the dang turnovers that Penn State had. And you got to admit, it, good defenses make the other team turn the ball over, and that's really what happened. You know, who was it for Ohio State there? I think it was JT Tuimaloa. I think I might have destroyed his name there. He had a wonderful uh, little pick right there and a touchdown, and that's what really uh, helped Ohio State was field position in this game. But it, it was a really fun game to watch. I mean, Penn State was winning this game for a while. It was definitely the best game of the week, in my opinion. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Uh, Kentucky versus Tennessee. I'm glad that I missed most of this. I had to coach my son's baseball team at the end, but I was following it on the on my phone. Kentucky never even was in this game. It was seven to six in the first quarter. Then Kentucky scored, or sorry, Tennessee scored thirty-seven unanswered points, forty-four to six. I mean, I feel like a sucker betting Kentucky in this situation. Had a ton of line value, of course, is what we all say, and uh, a lot of people, I guess, were on Kentucky here, and maybe that was a red flag, but. Uh, Tennessee just kept going where they left off against Alabama, really. You know, you thought that this could be a flat spot for them with George on deck. Didn't even come into fruition here. I also thought that Kentucky, just based upon their running game and Rodriguez, was able to or should have been able to uh, control the pace of play. I mean, my handicap I thought was legit. I was just absolutely wrong on Tennessee's defense and just Tennessee's overall power. You know, uh, that's going to happen. So sometimes even the best angles you come up with don't come through for uh, to fruition. So that's what we always are always are up against, you know, or some of the best handicaps don't come through. And I would like to say that I was on the right side, but just the wrong outcome. No, no, I was on the wrong side and the wrong outcome this game. Uh, Michigan State versus Michigan I bet Michigan State plus 23, and I'm glad that I got the 23. It was mostly 22 and a half, so I'm guessing most Michigan State betters covered this anyway. If you got a number worse than this, then God bless you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Michigan controlled this whole game, and when Michigan State was up 7-3, I was almost more concerned because then sometimes teams just keep putting it on and putting it on or in our angry that you were beating them in the first place i almost usually when i bet a big dog would rather have the team kind of start out hot and then put their second string in and uh have the dog come back at the very end but in this case michigan you know technically could have kicked a field goal or even put it in the end zone instead of run out the clock but they didn't and allowed my michigan state ticket to win the way i looked at it was it's just too big of a rivalry everything brad power said you know, probably was true for me. It's a game that if Michigan State would have covered, I would have been more upset with myself for not betting it than if I lost the bet itself. Uh, and as a sports better, you're a competitor and you don't want to miss out on good handicaps. Well, I don't think this was a good handicap either. I think that this uh, was a 50-50 game and I happened to be on the right side of it. A game I wasn't on the right side of, 
which was, I guess, close to a bad beat that you would call it, is USC versus Arizona, one of my larger plays of the week. Uh, USC multiple times had this thing in the back and just kept letting Arizona come back. But what was really upsetting was USC giving up that garbage fourth and 13 touchdown while up 16 to allow Arizona to cover the spread on this game. Unreal. And that late in the day, it was the swing game that made it from about an even day in college football instead of a very good day up about five or six units on that play itself. So very disappointing for me on this uh, USC-Arizona game. The backdoor uh, definitely got me and destroyed me. Ole Miss versus a and I didn't touch this game. I, would, I guess I leaned A&M, but A&M actually scored that touchdown at the end to get within three points. That was somewhat of a garbagey touchdown, but the spread was two, two and a half for most of the time. So Ole Miss betters still covered on this one. This was one of those that a lot of people were saying this is a bad spot for Ole Miss. This is a great spot for Texas A&M. Well, it might have been a great spot for Texas A&M, but I thought differently about Ole Miss. I was like, Ole Miss still controls their own destiny. They play Alabama. They beat Alabama and win the rest of their games. They're the ones in the SEC championship game. That's the way I was looking at it. And so that's what kept me off A&M, and it was enough. I guess uh, A&M's just that bad. Three and five, one and four in the SEC, and Jimbo Fisher is one of the highest paid coaches. I, he might be the highest paid coach in the SEC, or maybe Kelly is now that LSU got Kelly. That's possible. These salaries keep getting higher and higher. So uh, very happy I dodged that one. Notre Dame versus Syracuse. I had a great number on Syracuse. I actually took them on the money line. It was like a minus 120 or something. But uh, as soon as they lost their quarterback, it, they are pretty much out of the game. I, I mean, I will say Notre Dame was covering anyway at that time. So I can't say that it was a bad beat by any means. But um, Garrett Schrader is definitely better than Carlos Dell, uh, Rio Wilson. And I believe he, Rio Wilson threw that nasty pick and they could have came back and made it a, a, a game if he didn't throw that pick. It was a batted ball, but I mean, that's what rookie quarterbacks do. They don't see the defensive line coming up and smacking the ball. You know, you have to be, uh, you, you stare down a receiver, they're going to jump up and grab it. That That's football these days. So maybe he'll learn and, uh, become better for it and uh, become a starter later in his career. Uh, Illinois, Nebraska, that was just a, a pretty ugly game, especially on Nebraska's side. I wish I would have bet Illinois. Couldn't quite get to the window with that one. It was just, I still have that Brett Bielema in my head that he can just completely fold up and lose. So um, I'm, I'm wrong, though. <laughs> I mean, apparently, Illinois just keeps on rolling 7-1. and one. Uh, Massive congrats to Illinois. Last game I want to cover is uh, Oklahoma versus Iowa State. No, it's not the last game. This is the second to last game. Oklahoma took care of business easy against Iowa State. Iowa State is, I tweeted something out saying they're the Iowa of the Big 12. Well, duh, of course they're the Iowa of the Big 12. But their offense stinks. But I'm not even sure their defense is as good as Iowa either. So uh, can't really give Iowa State a bunch of props even though they beat Iowa. So uh, it, it, I'm almost scratching my head 
seeing how bad this Iowa State team really is and wonder how they beat Iowa. And I'm sure that Northwestern betters are a little upset themselves because Iowa covered the heck out of that spread. Uh, it was like an 11 and a half, 12 point spread, and Iowa covered it with ease just based upon how good their defense was. So that was pretty interesting. But the worst game of the week, uh, well, besides Miami, Virginia, and we'll talk about that in the next segment, was Oklahoma State against Kansas State. <laughs> what the heck was that, man? I mean, scoring zero points against Kansas State. 48 to nothing did you guys even show up there you know i mean spencer sanders 13 for 26 147 passing yards one interception no touchdowns i know kansas state's a pretty good team but will howard was their starter four touchdowns no interceptions 296 he picked them completely apart but not just that oklahoma state could even score a point absolutely disgusting this is the oklahoma state that beat texas the oklahoma state that was beating tcu all the way up to overtime right until tcu just got in the last second to push the game to overtime what the heck is going on 30 rushing attempts for 54 yards and why do you even have 30 rushing attempts when you're down by over 20 points jesus this feels like they're asleep i understand what gundy was thinking in this game but uh, that was probably the most disgusting game of the weekend. Moving on to the NFL. Little down for me in the NFL. I believe I was 5-9-1. Um, so not a, a couple of those were some small uh, prop bets. Uh, Jonathan Taylor over his passing yards. Uh, got none. I mean, were you not throwing to Jonathan Taylor? And uh, I think there was another one there a smaller one that I played for a half unit. Ah, it was uh, Devontae Smith over longest reception. So not a terrible week for the NFL. It's still still definitely my best sport this fall, but a lot of craziness happened. And what's funny is there's it, when I get to my box score analysis, you're not even going to see a lot of misleading final scores. It was just a lot of crazy outcomes. You know, Detroit was winning that game for a while until Miami shut them out the whole second half. I mean, that was a good thing for me because I was on Miami minus the three. I had some good numbers there. Um, but I got to tell you, Detroit's got a lot of fight for portions of the game. They kind of disappear and reappear throughout all of their games. It's it's very strange. 27 points in the first half, zero points in the second. I mean, thank goodness because, you know, that back door was wide open too. I thought the Lions might kick the field goal because there was all three timeouts left, but thank goodness uh, the Dolphins were able to stuff them far enough back so that wouldn't have happened. I think they might even miss that field goal. I have to relook at that. Um, the game of the week, I guess, was Panthers versus the Falcons to take control of the NFC South. And how bad are these teams in the NFC South? The Panthers now two and six after the loss. The Falcons four and four. The four and four Falcons are leading the NFC South. That's terrible. Before the season started, you could never tell me that the uh, Falcons would be in this position. But what I will say is the Saints are still plus 550 to win this division. The The Tampa Bay Bucks are absolutely beat up right now, just 
so many people injured on this Bucks team, and the Bucks just don't look right right now. They're also three and five, and they have the Rams on deck, Seattle, who's better than we thought, Cleveland, then the Saints, they at least get at home, then at San Francisco, Cincinnati, a tricky game at Arizona, then Carolina should be a win, then at Atlanta will be tricky. Tampa's got a much harder out than the Saints do this year. I think the Saints are still the best bet to win. Now, I did give them out at around plus 400 before the season started to win this division, but I think they still have a great shot at winning this division, especially because Atlanta, a lot of smoke and mirrors with them. They have a really banged up secondary themselves. I mean, Atlanta is a pretty big dog at home right now to the Chargers. (laughs) You know, what is that at here? Hold on. Uh, three points. So, I mean, that just kind of tells you a bad Chargers team is favored by uh, over a field goal or at least a field goal uh, right now. And Atlanta's like the favorite to win this division. That makes absolutely no sense to me. And when I say favorite, I mean favored over the Saints at plus 210. It's still Tampa Bay at minus 135. So, yeah, I would definitely jump on the Saints if you haven't already. All right. So, next one that was a little bit crazy was. The Vikings versus Cardinals, that was a fun game to watch. That thing went over the total, it went to 60. One of those ones that I thought about getting on never happened. This was trending under for most of the first half. Then the third quarter, both of these teams kind of exploded. But um, the Vikings, just very good team at home. But the Cardinals had some backdoor potential in this game. So I just think that... In the future, the Cardinals might be a little bit underrated. Uh, the Vikings on the road, definitely overrated. They're very good at home. They're bad on the road. The Raiders versus the Saints was absolutely disgusting. I'm not even going to talk about it now. I'm going to be talking about them in my next segment. Uh, Patriots versus Jets. This game was all Jets in the first half. They're up. 10 to 3, then the Patriots get the field goal, making it 10 to 6. And then the Patriots in the third and fourth quarter really put the gas pedal down, and the Jets turned the ball over and completely blew this game. Lots of people were on the Patriots this week. This is one of those where the books probably wanted the Jets, uh, but it did not happen. Um, And there is a misleading score here coming up later in that game. Steelers versus Eagles. Man, was there was the Steelers were a public dog in this, and the whole narrative was game for Pennsylvania. They're gonna get up for it, blah blah blah. I stayed away from it. I, I just don't know what Kenny Pickett has in his tank, and it's just showing kind of what I expected. It was a big double digit dog. I took a different double digit dog that we're gonna get to, but um, I wish that I was on the Eagles because my numbers had the Eagles minus 13 and the spread was 10 and a half so I was pretty close to getting there to the window from a percentage standpoint and I really wish I did the Eagles just keep putting on the uh pushing down the gas pedal against the weaker teams and they keep winning by margin their schedule is not that great but it's not that bad either the Eagles are legit they are number three in my rankings uh, Titans versus Texans. Oh my God. The Texans are terrible. And the Titans 
beat them just by running the ball. Malik Willis, their backup quarterback, threw the ball 10 times. Six for 10 for like 55 passing yards. Derrick Henry, 219 yards. Dontrell Hilliard, eight carries for 83 yards. That's how piss poor this Texans team is. Very bad coaching, too. I mean, you think about it. You have a rookie quarterback in. What is the one thing you just need to do to stop? Stop the run. I mean, Lovey could have done a way better job stacking the box to do that. I don't care who you are. This was just massively outcoached in this situation. Uh, 49ers, Rams, this was one of our free plays we gave out. The Niners took care of business, even without check, even without Debo Samuel. I got nervous when Debo was out. I, I still had to play, but I switched him out of a contest, which uh, I, really drove me nuts. I could not believe I did that. And even though my whole handicap was all over the Niners, the injuries worried me for that play. I still was okay with my play that I made, and that's why I sent it out as a free play. But instead, I sw- swiped it out for something much dumber that we will get to in the next segment. Commanders versus Colts. This was a boring game for the most part, but as soon as the Colts decided to dog it with like two minutes left on offense and play the whole, I'm going to run a few seconds off the clock and punt the ball and rely on my defense, I knew this thing was toast. Um, I had the Colts minus two and a half, had great line value, but it wasn't even close to a winner because of poor coaching. You know, Frank Reich, great offensive coordinator, poor coach. I mean, you know that the commanders are going for it on every fourth down. That's dangerous. And you gave them enough time to do it and drive down the field. You needed to go for that first down and you didn't. You know, so the commanders simply just drove down the field. All of a sudden, Heineke, who... I keep saying way better than Wentz, uh, got a little extra time and was able to hit McLaurin down to the one. It would have been better off for the Colts if McLaurin scored. They would have had another 10 or 20 seconds left on the clock so they can get down and hit a field goal. But obviously that never came into fruition. And uh, uh, McLaurin and Heineke and Ron Rivera won the game for the commanders and the Colts deserved every single aspect of it. I lost my bet, but I tweeted out right away that the Colts deserved what they got in that game. Uh, Giants versus Seahawks. The Giants finally lose after a massive run. Uh, the Giants are so injured. I am absolutely shocked. They're able to get to six and two, but you still got to give props to the Giants for everything they accomplished. And now they're coasting into the bye week And then finally the Packers versus the bills was absolutely unreal. I am so glad that I bought the half point for 10 cents at the 10. It, uh, for the contest, it was a loser. But the Bills, it, deep into the fourth quarter, or at least midway through the fourth quarter, I think it was about six minutes left or so, right on the goal line, up 17, Josh Allen throws a pick. What the hell are you doing? Just run the ball and kick the field goal. But you don't. You throw the pick allowing the back door wide open for a garbage touchdown, which is exactly what happened with Aaron Rodgers. So anybody in the contest that used the Bills absolutely got a bad beat on that one. 
lots of garbage yards for the Packers at the very end of this game as well. The good, the bad, and the ugly from last weekend. And we're going to start out with the good. My teaser hit. So I'm really happy about that. That's a few in a row. We're now three, four, and one in refuse to lose teasers. As I always say, as lines tighten up later in the year, teasers become more and more profitable because there's less variance. We under start understanding what these teams are. And once you start moving the spread in football games, uh, they become much more predictable and you have a higher confidence in them. Well, obviously, as long as some of these injuries don't keep getting worse because any injury adds variance to the game. But I'm pretty happy about teasers. Uh, North Carolina, that was one of our plays, them in the over. That was a great uh, situation for them because it looks like they're going to be representing the Coastal for the ACC in the championship there. They just keep rolling and rolling, so I'm happy for them. Uh, Tennessee and their D, I got to tell you, Massive line value I had on the Texans, and I'm glad I bought back half at Tennessee plus one because it was much uh, easier of a loss just on that situation. But Tennessee just beat the crap out of the, the, the Texans just based upon their run game, their D and their run game and coaching. So that was good for Tennessee backers. I, the Giants losing was good just based upon they should not be seven and one. <laughs> They're six and two, and they probably shouldn't even be six and two. So I have to say, metrically, for all the people that like to look at metrics and bet on sports, the Giants was a little bit of an anomaly, and they came back to earth. And I got to say, the whole NFC East, though, is good. You know, I mean, look at how great this division's been. The worst team, the Washington Commanders, at four and four. Are you kidding me? Uh, the NFC East, crazy to say, two years ago was the worst division in football. Right now, at least this moment, they are definitely the best division in football. The bad. Lots of bad. Dave Clawson, what the hell are you doing running the clock out on yourself? I was watching this Wake Forest game, and I had the team total over 33 points. I had a great number. And with two minutes and 30 seconds left, they're like, milking clock and yes they're on the opponent's 10 yard line but it's like the other opponent's got like two or three timeouts left and you're just running the clock you know trying to get into half how are you gonna get into halftime well they couldn't and they punted the ball right and i think they even might have given up another quick score to louisville but then they get the ball again and they milk it again they run the clock out again and then they just all of a sudden, with like 15, 20 seconds left, they throw a big pass, and they're in field goal range, but not enough time. <laughs> they end up running the clock out on themselves in two different drives in the first half. Dave Clawson, what the hell are you doing? Uh, UFC's defense, bad. Fourth and 13, allowing Arizona's backdoor cover. That was absolutely pathetic. USC... I thought got robbed a little bit against Utah. Well, I do not feel nearly as bad for them with how bad they looked uh, against an Arizona team that ranks 131st in success rate on defense. Uh, Tampa Bay losing Shaq Barrett that Thursday game. That changed the whole outlook of the game, and it's going to change their season because Shaq Barrett is out, and he is their best pass rusher. I think this was a massive injury for Tampa Bay. And I had him 
put that in the bad, even though it was from Thursday Night Football. And what was really bad, me betting the over in the Saints-Raiders game. And what was even worse is me betting the Raiders and switching out the San Francisco 49ers with the Raiders minus 1.5 in the contest. You suck. You know, what do I say about the Raiders? They're my crutch. They're my Achilles heel. And I keep getting sucked into betting them. Lattimore out for the Saints. Their top two receivers, Landry and Michael Thomas, both out. Andy Dalton in there, that guy who likes to throw picks. The Raiders coming off a bye. The Raiders after that big team meeting they had a few weeks ago. The Raiders that almost beat the Chiefs, that should have beaten the Chiefs, at the Chiefs. The Raiders that have two wins and need to make a run for the playoffs. Lay a freaking goose egg. Absolutely pathetic. Also, Raiders. You suck. As well. My last bad is the EPA handicap for the Eagles rushing defense. The Eagles rushing defense is EPA ranks 31st, right? And that's why people are betting the Steelers. But does that even freaking matter for the Eagles? You know, 31st in opponent rush EPA. And you're still destroying teams that can run the ball a little bit. You saw what Najee Harris did to the Miami last week, right? Well, (laughs) you know, this was like people's biggest handicap against the Eagles, and they keep trouncing uh, teams. So I'm going to have to say that sometimes the most advanced metrics do not come in to fruition to make up for the other team opponents' deficiencies or just how good the Eagles are in every other aspect of that game. All right, the ugly... Oklahoma State not scoring one freaking point. And I already went over that, but that definitely makes the ugly for the weekend. I don't even know what to think of them after that. Wake Forest, eight turnovers in one half, six all in the third quarter. I've never seen anything like that. That's the ugliest crap I've seen come out of any team being that all eight turnovers were in one half. That's got to be some sort of record right there. Virginia versus Miami. The end of the game. Thank goodness we were on Virginia plus three, by the way. Uh, but the game goes into overtime tied nine to nine. It ends up in four overtimes. And the final score is 14 to 12. How the hell does that even happen, man? What a disgusting game by two bad ACC teams, Virginia hosting Miami. Well, Miami ended up winning the game, but man, was that an ugly game. And sweating that plus three out wasn't fun whatsoever. You know, that's where the bad beats happen, obviously, on the dog when it comes into overtime. Ugly, the Raiders scoring zero points. I already talked about that. Very disgusting. Another ugly of the weekend, the whole NFC North, I guess minus the Vikings, but the Vikings sure uh, had a tougher game against the Cardinals, but the Packers losing by double digits, the Bears losing by double digits, and the Lions losing the whole second half of that game just made the NFC North look terrible. And the NFC North very well might be 
the second worst division. <laughs> They're not the worst because the AFC South is the worst, but the NFC North is certainly going to make a run for their money. Uh, also ugly, that interception that allowed the Packers able to backdoor that Absolutely ugly for Bills betters because it happened so late in the game, and you know the touchdown absolutely didn't do anything to have, for the have the Packers even come close to winning that game. So uh, that was ugly, and the most ugly thing of the weekend was the Houston Texans getting beat by a backup quarterback and outcoached by pretty much everybody in the world. A junior high school coach could have outcoached Lovey right there because he had one freaking job, one job and that was stopping the run you see in this world there's two kinds of people my friend those with loaded guns and those who dig you dig all right now it's time for some college football week nine misleading final scores louisiana tech outgained fiu 440 to 378 yet lost 42 to 32 Equal turnovers and bad red zone efficiency hurt the Bulldogs. Iowa State outgained Oklahoma 373-332, yet lost 27-13, a 3-to-1 turnover ratio and bad red zone hurt them. Penn State outgained Ohio State 482-452, yet lost 44-31, a nasty 4-0 turnover ratio did them in. Like I said, this game was closer than it looked. Akron outgained Miami, Ohio, 396 to 268, yet lost 27 to 9, a 3-0 turnover ratio, and horrible red zone got the Red Hawks. Boston College outgained Yukon 335 to 280, yet lost 13-3, a 5-0 turnover ratio smoked them. Louisville only outgained Wake Forest 410 to 400, yet won 48 to 21 because of that massive 8-to-1 turnover ratio and horrible first-half coaching killed Wake Forest. Marshall outgained Coastal Carolina 416 to uh, 271, yet lost 24 to 13. A 2-0 turnover ratio killed them along with bad red zone efficiency. UAB outgained FAU 473 to 360, yet lost 24-17 equal turnovers, but bad fourth down conversions and red zone hurt them and San Diego State outgained Fresno State 449 to 391 yet lost 32 to 28 a fourth quarter meltdown and 5 to 2 turnover ratio killed them all right college football week 10 betting spots letdown spots UCF at Memphis after beating Cincinnati outright is one. Louisville hosting James Madison after beating Wake Forest is a letdown spot. Get up spots. Nebraska hosting Minnesota after losing to Illinois at home is one. Uh, LA Tech hosting Middle Tennessee State is in danger of missing a bowl. Louisiana Monroe hosting Texas State's in danger of missing a bowl. Any team with six losses kind of here on out uh, is in danger of missing a bowl, and they might get up for that game. Uh, and LSU can really prove something versus Alabama. They're coming off a bye. It's a night game. Uh, get up spot for LSU. Look ahead spots. Louisville hosting James Madison in a sandwich is looking to Clemson possibly. That's a nasty spot for Louisville. Let down and get in a sandwich looking to 
Clemson. TCU looking past Texas Tech to Texas is one possible one for sure. And Arkansas looking past Liberty to LSU is definitely real. Um, NFL Week 9 misleading final scores. And there isn't a lot of them. Only really one. The Jets outgained the Patriots 387 to 288, yet lost 22 to 17, a three to one turnover ratio. And just they couldn't stop the run. Bad rushing efficiency got them. And the Packers yards were mainly all just prevent defense garbage at the very end. So don't want to get into that one. NFL week nine betting spots. There's not a lot. Lots of bye weeks. Let down spots. There's none. Get up spots, there's really none. Look ahead spots. The problem is the, you'd think the Vikings are looking past the commies to the Bills, but then the commies might be looking past the Vikings to the Eagles being it's a division game. So that's all I have for NFL Week 9 betting spots. All right, now it is time for our free play that we are giving out for college football Week 10. And we're going to go right with the Liberty Flames against the Arkansas Razorbacks, plus 14. This is a terrible spot for Arkansas here. They have a big game on deck against LSU, and they had the pretty big win against a terrible Auburn team. The problem with Arkansas, they have a terrible run defense. They rank 120th in opponent rush EPA. Liberty themselves get about 4.73 yards per rush, which is 41th in the, uh, 41st in the nation. Now, they can't pass the ball well. They only rank 100th in pass EPA, but they shouldn't have to pass the ball because their defense has been so good. Defensive success rate, 7th in the nation. Rushing play success rate, which is what Alabama does, or sorry, Arkansas does with KJ Jefferson. They rank 10th and ninth in defensive passing play success rate. Liberty's got a very good defense. And I got to tell you, minus that little hiccup against the FCCS opponent, they had a, a great schedule. They creamed BYU. Uh, they, they beat a solid UAB team by seven points. Uh, Southern Miss is looking good, and they beat Southern Miss at Southern Miss. Uh, double digits over Old Dominion and UMass, of course. But they also have a week to prepare for Arkansas, being that they're coming off the bye. So it's just a really bad spot for Arkansas and a very good spot for Liberty. Grab the 14 points for three stars. Soon as he buy that wine, I just creep up from behind. All right, now let's get into a little fantasy football for week nine. And I'm going to go solo today, being that D Nasty is traveling but i have a pretty good gauge on what to do during these massive bye weeks and it's pretty tough because there is a lot of bye weeks here cleveland is on bye so no amari cooper no nick chubb kareem hunt and if you're starting Brissett or anybody else you got dallas on a bye so no Dak prescott no pollard no elliott you know no lee uh, Denver's on a bye. The New York Giants are on a bye. No Saquon. Pittsburgh Steelers are on a bye. No Najee Harris. A couple of their receivers, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, uh, and San Francisco's on a bye. So you can throw those guys out as 
well. No CMC now that he's with San Francisco. So definitely a lot to do with your bench. And hopefully you have some room on your bench. But if not, I've got a couple ideas on the waiver wire. Key injuries, not a lot at least. I mean, wide receiver Christian Watson for the Packers was concussed. Wide receiver uh, Cooper Cup injured his ankle late in the game. But he is day-to-day or week-to-week at least. So he avoided a bad problem. And he should not have been used, by the way, by Sean McVay so late in that game. He should have just ran the ball out. Uh, They were down by a couple scores. Tight end Irv Smith sprained his ankle for the Vikings and wide receiver Richie James got a concussion there for the Giants. I mean, not a lot of injuries, so very good uh, this weekend for fantasy football, avoiding those. And here's the waiver wire. Uh, If you need a tight end, like maybe you're starting an Irv Smith or George Kittle, right? Uh, David Njoku from Cleveland, Um, Dallas, uh, anybody from Dallas, Dalton Schultz, Obviously, lots of guys here. Fryermuth for Pittsburgh. You can get Tyler Conklin right now for the Jets. He had 10 targets and two touchdowns yesterday. I think he's going to be a big waiver guy this weekend. Uh, wide receiver Terrence Mitchell for Carolina had nine targets. So um, I don't think Carolina's going to be in that position to be in a shootout again for a while necessarily. But, you know, why not? I mean, who does Carolina have on deck? Uh, the Bengals. Yeah, that's pretty tough for them. But Terrence Marshall may be better in the future for you, not necessarily this week. I do like Rondale Moore. I think Seattle's still has a very bad pass defense, but you couldn't see it against a very injured Giants team. Rondale Moore really broke out and had a great day yesterday, so I'd grab Rondale Moore if you needed a receiver. Or Allen Robinson, I guess. Or Van Jefferson for the Rams in case uh, that Cooper Cup's held out. Or you can uh, grab one of those guys as a streamer this week for all the buys. Uh, wide receiver or running back Caleb Huntley had 16 rushing attempts for Atlanta, kind of split in there with Aguilar. And I think that Huntley is a possible uh, play for this week. And Atlanta's got a weak Chargers team. Running back Dontrell Hilliard is a good streamer this week against the Chiefs. You know, with this Chiefs, a lot of passing happening, and maybe Hilliard's going to get a couple Tannehill passes. I do believe Tannehill probably comes back this week. Non-starters trending up for Week 9. Tight end Gerald Everett against a bad Atlanta defense is legit. We have to remember that Mike Williams is out for four weeks. Joshua Palmer is also injured. Keenan Allen probably comes back, but, man, Everett's going to have a great weekend because of that. I also like... Gus Edwards, or sorry, not Gus Edwards, Dontrell Hilliard will have a big game against the Chiefs. Bad pass D. Running back Tyler Algier versus the Chargers is also good on the other side here. And quarterback Marcus Mariota versus the Chargers. So uh, this game should be good for fantasy. Uh, Chargers versus Atlanta in general. Running back A.J. Dillon versus the Lions is going to be Huge and running back James Cook versus the Jets might make some noise. The Jets really allowed a lot of rushing yards to the Patriots last week. Bus running back Kenyon Drake versus the Saints and probably running back Gus Edwards versus the Saints. I'm not sure who's going to really get the bulk. And uh, Drake scored last week. The week before it was Gus Edwards. Week before that was Drake. It just seems to be all over the board. And the Saints have a great rush D. Running back uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus the Titans isn't a good one either. Not a big fan of that matchup. 
running back Leonard Fournette versus the Rams isn't a great look this week. If you have better options, then you might want to look towards them. Uh, wide receiver Amon Ron St. Brown versus the Packers might be very rough because the Packers have a couple good, like Jerry Alexander, uh, a couple good corners there. And you kind of saw it. They got some picks against Josh Allen last week. Uh, the Texans whole team versus the Eagles. I don't want to start anybody on the Texans coming this week either. So that brings us to our nasty sleeper here. And since Dave's gone, I'm going to give you two. One is Gerald Everett. I think he has a monster game against Atlanta. And number two, running back A.J. Dillon against the Lions. The Lions rush D is terrible. The Packers are in a desperate mode. I think that they're going to pound the ball hard. And I think that Gerald Everett is going to uh, capitalize as well. I love both these players. Also, if you like DFS, I love both of these players this week as well. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at The Odds Breakers. Have a great rest of your week and go get some winners.